0: Chris Wheaton's Podcast Hour and this special podcast series highlighting the exciting events happening at St. Augustine's University and where we also take a brief look back on some of society's greatest contributors who also happen to be part of a rich St. Augustine's tradition. Today's podcast series highlights a rare look into the work of sports information directors and their commitment and dedication to making St. Augustine's University and the student athletes shine. Veteran sports information director at St. Augustine's University, Anthony Jeffries, joins the podcast to share his story and his goals. He is just another example of a falcon soaring. Make sure you get registered for the inaugural St. Augustine's Athletic Department Golf Tournament, which takes place on Friday, June 18th, as part of a big St. Augs reunion weekend. The fun begins on Thursday, June 17th and ends with a beautiful soiree on Saturday, June 19th. This is your chance to have fun and give to a university that is ready to soar. You can find more information at www.staugfalcons.com, or call David Bowser at 919-516-4250. Again, call 919-516-4250 and ask for Coach David Bowser. This is your chance to give. The inaugural St. Augustine's Athletic Department Golf Tournament is presented to us by title sponsor, Seven Springs Farm and Vineyard. Seven Springs Farm and Vineyard, based in Norlena, North Carolina, is a family-owned and operated business. And it is one of approximately 23 black-owned farms and vineyards in the country. And one of the few that provides live music and entertainment such as blues and country bands, comedy shows, and karaoke. This is just the beginning of a great partnership between the St. Augustine's University Athletic Department and Seven Springs Farm and Vineyard. Speaking of St. Augustine's inaugural Athletic Department Golf Tournament, it was recently renamed to honor the legacy and many contributions of legendary St. Augustine's golf coach, Lawrence Coleman. Did you know he took the program to six HBCU national championships, including five division two crowns and seven CIAA titles. He was inducted into the national black golf and CIAA hall of fames. And in 1993, when he would lead the Falcons to win the overall HBCU title, President Bill Clinton invited him and the St. Augustine's University team to the White House, making St. Augustine's the first HBCU to get an invite to the White House. I speak of none other than notable St. Augustine's University alum Lawrence Peaches Coleman. That's right. St. Augs Falcons do great things. And with your help, they can soar to even greater heights. Rest in peace, Mr. Coleman. Thank everyone for listening. And I have to ask again, are you giving? Are you registered for the tournament? If so, thank you. If not, time is running out. This is a special edition the St. Ogs podcast series on the Chris Williams podcast hour. They
1: call me track. Here I come, baby. I ain't gonna bite you. I just
2: want you to hang
1: on. All right. Hour. And today's special guest on the St. Augustine's University podcast has served as the Falcon Sports Information Director for the past 15 years. He has been recognized nationally and internationally for his excellence in communications. He has been named CIAA CIAA Sports Information Director of the Year. He is a former print media journalist who covered multiple NCAA Final Fours and he is focused on promoting St. Augustine's University and their student-athletes on the highest levels to the media and the public. Please help me welcome to the special St. Augs podcast series on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, the St. Augs Sports Information Director, Mr. Anthony Jeffries. Mr. Jeffries, welcome to the podcast series. Man, Mr. Chris Williams, I
2: really appreciate it. Man, that was a great introduction. I had to make sure you was talking about me, you know. (laughs) I really appreciate that, man, because, you know, being a sports information director, you're used to, you know, interviewing and promoting, you know, other folks, student athletes, administrators, um, uh, former alumni who've who've done well in their careers. But, you know, it's very rarely that someone pretty much, introduces and promotes you so i I really appreciate um the introduction and before we get started i also want to appreciate what you've done for saint augustine's university with all of the podcasts and promotion and and man we i know the the department of athletics really really appreciate what you've done man i mean it's a blessing you know to be able to um you know present us in this light so i want to give you your kudos as well (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, well, thank you. And, and it's been easy, because you guys have welcomed me and given me the opportunity, so the least I can do is do my best. So we're working well together, and I appreciate that. And you And you touched on this. This is a real treat for me, because as we spoke earlier, it's rare to hear from the university sports information director. So this Me should give either. listeners a very unique look at the inner workings of St. Augs University and how important it is to promote the student-athletes. So I look forward to that.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yes. I mean, and, and that's,
2: that's really the, the, the net, in a nutshell, that's what our job is, is to promote the student-athletes in a positive light. And not just the student-athletes, but, you know, also – Administrators, you know, um, some of our sports administrators who who, who are doing well, um, also alums who have done well, um, like I say, in their careers, whether it be athletically or professionally. So um, anything that has St. Augustine's attached to it, I'm
1: always looking to promote it. Okay, excellent, excellent. And what a great mouthpiece the university has in you. So, like I said, I look forward well, thank to Thank you. It. But, yeah, <laughs> you don't hear it all. Started, good. Okay, good. I'm know, sorry. You know what? Because you work in the background, people don't get to give you. So I, I, I'm I, taking this to, this opportunity to pat you on the back. So, oh, thank you. And in return, in return, to make this podcast work, you have to shamelessly plug yourself, the university, and some of your stories. So that that's how we're going to okay. make this thing pop today. All right? Okay. Okay. Right. I, I, I know the drill. I, I've listened to the podcast, so, so I, I know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. Good. Well, well, let's start with your journey into the world of sports and journalism. So, and, and you had a unique high school experience because you played football, but you were also a writer and reporter for your school newspaper so what was yeah. that like and how and how did that prepare you going forward in life okay well i'm, I'm gonna say one thing
2: i i know i i always say i play football but the, the truth be told i was on the football team if you get what i mean okay <laughs> but but anyway um actually this really all started when i was a kid i always knew that well what number one i like sports I like to play sports, but I also wanted to report on sports. And this was something from probably when I was six, seven years old. I've always wanted to be a sports writer. You know, and I, and I know a lot of folks who say, hey, man, they don't know where they want to be until sometimes when they're in college. Sometimes in college, they're you know, folks don't know where they want to be. But for some reason, I always wanted to be a sports writer. So I actually, like, I wrote, you know, back when, when when I was growing up, it was junior high. So when I was in junior high, I wrote on the junior high newspaper, and then wrote I was the I was the sports um, I was a sports writer for our junior high newspaper. It was at Carnage. Then it was Carnage Junior High School. And um, then when I um, when I went to Enloe, I'm a Raleigh, I am a Raleigh native. You know, I actually grew right around the corner from Saint Augustine. So I would you know I ended up going to Enloe High School. And I ended up, you know, my 10th grade year, I was the sports writer on the newspaper. So it's something that I've always wanted to do. And to be honest with you, this being sports information director is, is really a second career because I had no intentions of being a sports information director. The You know, the, the word on being, you know, the, the talk of, of, of sports information at the time was Man, you don't want to do that because man, you don't work too much. So I never want to be a sports information director, but guess what? <laughs> I fell right into it, and actually, I've loved it. It's challenging. I've been here 15 years, going on 16 in August. I mean, I, I of all the jobs I've had, I've been on this one the longest. So that says a lot, right there. So, um, so yeah. So I, I, my my goal. Was to be a Stephen A. Smith, you know, not necessarily. You know, at the time, you know, reporters weren't on TV or anything. But my goal was to be, you know, as a big time reporter, and it didn't turn out that way. But I'm very happy with the way my career has progressed. You know, I started out, like I said, like um, I started out at NLo, um, you know, I, I ended up going to uh, UNC. I ended up going to North Carolina. You know, after after um, I graduated NLo. You know, because Carolina was a journalism school. I
1: actually applied
2: to Carolina and NC State. My, My initial choice was to go to NC State, but NC State didn't want me. So I went to Carolina who accepted me. Yeah, I applied at NC State, I applied at UNC, and I applied at Hampton. And all three were, you know, noted for journalism. My choice was NC State because it was home. And so when I uh, got the a letter that you know I, I got a letter back saying they didn't accept me, man, I was hurt. Man, I was like, wow. Like I thought, you know, I, I I'm thinking, you know, I work at the newspaper, you know, at uh you know, I wrote on the school newspaper. I thought, you know, hey, man, local kid, you know, grades were decent. They weren't, you know, they weren't stellar, but they weren't bad. But they didn't accept me, so I was a little crushed by that. But then I got another letter a few weeks later from UNC from North Carolina, and they accepted me, and that's how I ended up in Chapel Hill. So, um, okay. so I ended up going to Chapel Hill, and, and and I got to Chapel Hill. That was really my first time away from home. And now I tell you what, I really really love Chapel Hill, and I love Chapel Hill to the point that I flunked out. I loved it too much. I stayed there oh, wow. one year, wow. and man, I had a ball, man. I ain't gonna lie, but I had too much fun in there, man. I'm gonna be honest with you, I was having freedom, and and again, going to a school, you know, after being in high school where everything is really small and structured, you know, then I go into Carolina, and everything was, you know, you 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 had to make your own decisions, and I wasn't very good at it at the time, so. You know, if this like, hey, I got a test in the morning, but they having a care party, you know, in in the dorm, you know, I didn't always make the wisest decision. So I stayed there for about a year, and and you know, predictably, you know, I I I didn't make it to the to the sophomore year. Uh, the biggest highlight I had at the time was I was there the same year Michael Jordan was there. And that was the year that Carolina won the national championship over Georgetown. I, I, you know, I, I can say that was probably the biggest highlight, you know, for me being at Carolina. I really enjoyed the school, but I should have, you know, buckled up and, and, and did my work at the time. And, and I say this, you know, I, and, I, and, I say, and I tell that story because the one thing I can say about me personally, I've always been a late bloomer. You know, I pick up. I, I'm eventually pick it up, but I, I I start slow. But then once I pick it up, I I I I'll, I'll get it and, and I'll be fine. But I, I'm a late bloomer type person. I I'm never one that that picked up anything early. So I always, you know, I tell this story. You know, even growing up, you know, like with girls and stuff, man. I didn't, you know, I wasn't into girls till late on. You know, where some of my friends, you know, they into girls at early age. I was into them later. So. My whole life has been like that. My whole life has been, you know, picking up on things late. You know, going to Carolina. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't make it. You know, I stayed out of work for a year and I worked and I and I worked and and, and being out of school for a year and just working. I was working temp services. You know, that told me right there this ain't what I want to do for the rest of my life. So right. I went right. back to school. So I, I ended up and and, and, and partly. And I can say, I'm going to give credit to a person I don't even know that got me on the right path, and that's George Clinton from Parliament Funkadelic. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I went to a concert. A lot of my friends were at Ant at the time. And I decided to go to a concert during the spring, George Clinton and the P4 All-Stars. So I went to the show, had a good time, and then after the show, I got to hang out at a with a lot of my friends. So mm-hmm. once I got there, man, you know, this week I rode at A&T, the very next week. And, and I'll always blame, always blame George Clinton. I don't blame him. I, I, I thank him for, if it hadn't been for that concert, I might not have really ever went back to college. So, so... Oh, wow. I, I I I give him all the I, I give him a lot of the credit because once I got on Auntie's campus, um, you know, some of my friends, I I miss college. I miss, you know, I, I I just knew that if I didn't go to college, that you know, I don't know what 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 turn my life would have would have taken. My parents were educators. You know, my dad, he was a driver's ed teacher. At East Wake, it was Vaden Whitley. Then it was East Wake. My mom taught first grade at AP, so they were they were educators, and they always stretched education. And I always felt like I let them down the first time, and just felt like you know my life was sort of meandering at the time. But 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 being on ts campus, I, I got refocused, and I was like, you know what, I need to get back in school. And sure enough, my dad got me in. I mean, it was no problem getting in t and, um, and I said this time, once, I went, you know, they, 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 they accepted me and I got enrolled, I said, man, this is a second chance. I ain't blowing it, you know. So I, I definitely was a lot more focused. And A&T was set up for me to learn, you know. Like I said, at, at a school like UNC, you've got to have discipline because you're going in classes that might be 100 people. You might, you're not even going in a class. You're going in an auditorium. And, you know, you get lost very easily. And then if they're only giving two tests for the for the semester, that's a midterm and a final. Man, you know, if, if you're not into your books, you'll be like, man, I ain't got to go to class. But they ain't testing but once or twice a, uh, during the semester. But what you forget is, man, if you make like an F on your test, man, you got to make an A on the final. If you make an F on the midterm, you got to make an A on the final just to get a C. So if you ain't got that kind of discipline, you know, you won't be able to, to 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 make it. But at A&T, it was just a totally different structure where it was, almost, you know, the classrooms were smaller. You got to know who the teachers were, and that really helped me um, get. Um, it helped me thrive in college. And then I was I was okay. I was older, and I was a little more focused, and I had a purpose the second time around. So, um, so that that helped me out a whole lot. So then um as I was in college, like I said, I I didn't have great grades but they were decent. Um I ended up going to um two things happened. Number one, I um was able to do well enough that I was one of, of a handful of students accepted to the Medill School of Journalism, which is, you know, a big deal for, you know, any any H B C U um um expiring um, journalism major. To, um, and it's, an, it's, it's the type of program that that, um, that 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 it's 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 big time. It's big time for for um, you know someone coming kind out of black college to get that kind of experience because it's the schools in Northwestern and it's a it's a it's a you know Northwestern is, a, is also a major you know journalism school as well. So you know right. yeah. I was invited to that. Yeah. And I spent a month there, you know, and um, I learned a lot. And then when I came home, just it just so happened when I, when I came back home, and home at the time was Greensboro, North Carolina. When I came back to campus, um, I, got, I, I was, um, got a call from um, the news and record newspaper, and they were looking for um, what, what was called editorial assistance, you know, work maybe, you know, two days, three days out the week. And I was a senior at the time in college. So um, I went ahead, when I I arrived back to Greensboro, I went ahead and took that job. And that job is, you know, once I took that job, that job ended up becoming a full-time job. So I ended up, my my senior year, which was probably around 1987, my senior year, Mm -hmm. I was actually working full-time at the newspaper. So... I mean, it was it been a journey, but but that's how I entered, you know, um, the the journalism industry, the media industry. Okay. So it's, okay. it's it's kind of a wild kind of story, but that's how I got there. And I say that to say, don't ever, whatever it is you you want to achieve, don't quit. You know, if you hit a bump in the road, you know, don't don't just give up. Just keep going because as long as you're living and breathing, you can accomplish anything. I don't care how old you are. You know, but but the, the 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 main thing is to try and, and keep pushing and keep going. So that's 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 my story as far as getting and entering the media industry. I start out it, it, the, the the title editorial assistant when I became full time. It, it now I was a copy editor. So I worked at News and Record for about three or four years. And um, okay. mainly as a copy editor, so I also did um, high school writing. Is where I was the, actually the prep, um, the high school um, editor uh, for about a year. On, you know, and, um, and and most of the time I was a, um, I was the um, editorial. I mean, I was the copy editor, which helped me. Being a copy editor helped me. Um, it, it helped me, mold me as as a better writer because I was able to edit my own writing, and that, that's why I learned that working at the News and Record in Greensboro. Oh, nice, nice. I know that's a lot, but so, <laughs> that's, that's no, kind of no, how, no, how that's, my story goes.
1: <laughs> no, but that's a great story because you talked. You mm-hmm. you know, you shared the fact that you went to UNC, which has a fantastic journalism program. Right. It didn't mm-hmm. work for you. You ended up going to A&T. And, you know, you, you described the surroundings and how that was a better fit for you and how mm-hmm. that prepared you. So you ended up spending 18 years in the print media. So, you know, what were some of the highlights of, of your time in print media?
2: Well, print media, well, I, I can tell you this um, off the bat. I, you know, my first job as a copy editor, you know, it, it was, it was, I was proud of myself for actually working um, full-time at a daily newspaper because this is the crazy thing, and I, and I tell students this a lot, is that, you know, when you go to college, it's important to get good grades, but that's not it. Like, you can get good grades and graduate and still not have a job because what a lot of the, of the um, companies are looking for, they they, they, w- they want somebody who's got good grades, but really what it's telling them is that you finish You started a task and you completed it. What they want to see is some experience. They want to see some type of work experience. They don't necessarily want to bring you in cold unless they have to train you. You know, they don't mind showing you how their business operates, but most companies don't want to just spend a full, you know, a lot of time just training somebody who has no idea how the business works. Um, so I always tell um, folks, if you know what you want to do, try. If you, you know, first of all, try to get an internship in that job, in, in that career, or or in your major that that you want to do, because that, in addition to the grades, is what's going to get you, you know, a job coming out of college. I'm talking about straight out of college. Or if you can't get an internship, go somewhere. Go to a company that that you um that, that you're majoring in and see if you can you know just get in just work you know just even if you just got to be in there and and um you know they got you doing you know even if you got to come in and 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 you got to do this manual task with no money no pay you know just volunteer do something you know I think a lot of these kids now they want that instant gratification. But, you know, when we were coming up, it was about learning and being an apprentice and, 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 and getting to the point where the, the, all the experience that you gain, you know, you know when, when you start out, that's the experience that's going to help you maintain a career and possibly make a lot of money, you know. So I always say that, you know, that for me, you know, working part-time and then working, you know, and then turned to a full-time job, like that was the that was the um, I didn't realize at the time, but man, that was the best thing that could have happened. Cause like I said, I didn't have great grades, but I was able to get a full time job. And a lot of kids that I know, or a lot of um, my um, folks that I graduated with, you know, I knew some in particular that had four point Man, they were struggling to find a job because they spent the entire time just doing schoolwork and not, you know, thinking, hey, man, if I get a 4.0, I'm going to get a job. That ain't necessarily true. You know, you got that 4.0 and you got some experience to back up with it. Now you're talking, but if you're just talking about a 4.0, you know, a lot of times, man, these businesses, like, you know, when they get resumes and everybody got a 4.0, so what's going to separate you from the rest of the, rest of the pack? You know, you got to have that work experience. You got to have that combination of both. Okay. And you know, and also you know, you got to you know it, it just soak up the college experience because all that stuff is going to help you you know when you get into you know the the, um, the job the, the, the job profession so or whatever it is that you, that um, that you want to do so that you know that that's why I tell folks that all the time like you know you you gotta you gotta you you know first off figure out what you want to do get your, get your grades. But at the same time, whatever it is you want to do, see while you're in college if you can get some type of experience in. It don't have to be for pay; just get the experience, and then that experience is what's going to get you paid down the line. So, Excellent. but I have not talk so long, man. I forgot the question you didn't ask me.
1: No, no, no. You covered it. You you were talking about. Oh, the, okay. uh,
2: behind- <laughs> I get like that sometimes, highlight- so
1: forgive me. That, that, that's okay. That's okay. That's that's good information. So. We're speaking of HBCUs right? Um, and the media, so African-American mm-hmm. representation in the media. So it's right. growing now. But mm-hmm. when you first started out, you know, how difficult was it for you to go and get a story and, you know, or you look around a room, you're covering an event, and you might mm-hmm. be the only one in the room that looks like you. Talk about that experience and, and, and your perspective on that.
2: Okay, so – uh, you, forgive me. I'm gonna combine this question you asked with the it, it mad down to me! What you asked me earlier about my highlight is one thing I did okay. want to tell you, and, and I can tell you about you know what's it like being one of a handful of, of blacks working in a in a um, working in, in in the sports um, in the sports office. So one highlight I did want to mention. Yeah, like I said, it, nothing stood out other than the fact that I was able to, you know, work. You know, I, I was definitely proud of the fact that I was black and I was able to work, you know, in, you know, a, a, a office that there weren't a lot of blacks in, in the sense of, man, I, I, I was able, I was probably myself able to crack through that door. It was maybe, mm-hmm. we've, we've had a handful, when I was at the News and Records, there were a handful of blacks that I worked with. Now, I, now, one, one, one of my, you know, I hadn't talked to him in a while. We were good friends. One, um, he was also a copy editor as well, and, you know, he started out as an editorial assistant. We kind of started out at the same time. His name was Don Corbett, and Don Corbett was, you know, we we were really close. Um, he was really good at what he did. His dad, um, I don't know how familiar you all with, with Ant Sports, but his dad used to be... Um, Coach Donald Corbett, that um, he was a he was a legendary basketball coach at, at North Carolina A&T, and during the time he was there, um, I mean I think a to this day has the record or uh, tied with the University of Kentucky for the for the most consecutive um, conference titles, you know, wow. it, and I think yeah yeah is A&T and it's Kentucky. I mean and when I was at A&T and t basketball was off the chain. They won like seven straight. Conference championships went to the NCAA tournament like seven straight years in a row. So I worked with with Coach Corbett's son, Don. I always enjoyed working with him. We, we we worked well together. I enjoyed the time that I spent, you know, working with, on the nights me and Don worked together on the copy desk. Now mm-hmm. there was another person who worked at the News and Record at the time, and he came in. I was like maybe second year in the profession, and um, I got to work with him for a year and his name is Stephen A. Smith. So oh, I got wow. to work with Stephen A. Smith and got to know Stephen A. Because remember, when Stephen A. went to Winston-Salem State. So he yeah. started out at the Winston-Salem Journal, and then he came over to the News and Record. And and, and I tell people all the time, that Stephen A. Smith you see on TV, that's Stephen A. Smith. Like, Stephen A. ain't putting on no act. Stephen A. is really that passionate about – sports and and I'm I'm really proud of him that you know and I tell people all time you know I'm proud of Stephen A because I seen where he started he worked hard to get where he's at and when I look back on it now I was like wow like I actually like you know worked you know at at the news and record the same time Stephen A Smith was there so I look at that sometimes I was like wow you know how you know how fortunate was that you know you know at the time nobody knew Stephen A was going to um, be, you know, who he was. But I think he knew, because he always had drive. He always had drive that, that he was going, you know, go far in the profession, and, and, and he did. So um, that's one thing I did, you know, as far as highlight, that's one thing I did want to point out. But um, being, you know what, being um, a black, you know, copy editor, a black reporter, I mean, it, honestly, you know, at the time, Um, I think the industry was starting to accept more blacks into the profession. I mean, you started, you know, like Bill Roden, you know, you started to see him on TV a lot. And then you started Mm -hmm. to see, um, other blacks, uh, African Americans on television who, um, who were at the top of their profession, you know, at the time. Um, so you, you started seeing more and more blacks, so I think I was a part of that wave. You know that that, that a lot of the um, newspaper um, industries were starting to accept blacks, you know, as reporters and as copy editors. So I I, I, I kind of came in on that wave. So working working in uh, working in a um, pretty much a pre- pre- uh, predominantly white environment. I mean, the the only thing I'll say is that the people there were cool, you know, and I, and I still know some of, the, some of these folks today that are still working in, in print journalism. But the the one thing I, I will say is when you're black and um and you're working and you and you're just starting out, you know, you're literally in in their environment, so you kind of talk what they talk about. You know, some of the things that, you know, if it's me, you, Coach Biles, the thing we was all together, some of the things we would talk about, I wouldn't talk about it, you know, in the newsroom or in the sports room. Me and Don Mike would talk, and we would have something, you know, in common to talk about, but you, you're mostly fitting in. And, I, and I'm going to tell this story right here. When I first started out, I used to call myself, I, I remember, and, and he was a great man named Irwin Smallwood, he was the – um he was the editor at the time. He was the, the, the main editor for the sports department. And, you know, like I say, the word, my first name, Anthony, you know, some people say, some, some folks, you know, shorten it for Tony. Well, I've had a lot of names, a lot of nicknames. And I just remember, um, I remember Irwin Smallwood, he, he asked me, he said, well, what do you want to be called? Well, do you mind if we call you Tony? And, you know, I was just so happy to be working at the News and Record. I said, yes. And, you know, so my bylines would say Tony Jeffries. You know, and, and at the time it was cool. But as I look back on that, I, I, I wish I had told him no. And I had just said Anthony. Because that's what everybody knew me as. But I felt like I said Tony because I wanted to fit in. And looking back on it now, I, no, like, none of my friends, you know, it's a few people who call me Tony, but, People call me Anthony, and 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 I felt like looking back on it now, I should have just said, "Hey man, you know I appreciate you just called me Anthony left and left it." But I was just so caught up in the working at the news and record, you know. I was I'm thinking, you know, man, I made it, man. i I made it at a daily newspaper right out of college. So whatever they said, I was, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, looking back now, I should have said, I should have said, man, no, I, I, you know, my name's Anthony. And that's probably the, the one thing that I would have changed um, is you know working in an environment like that. Like they felt comfortable, you know, the folks there were comfortable calling me Tony, but my name I, I never really went by Tony Jeffries. There's always been Anthony Jeffries. So, but that was you know to make them feel comfortable. So I, I kind of, I look back on that you know and say you know what mm, maybe I should have just said Anthony and just told him that, but you know. You know, that's life. So I can't, you know, it's just lesson learned. Um, Working with, you know, going out and covering events was never really an issue. You know, I've never had anybody talk to me negatively, you know, for being black. You know, I never had, when I was at the News and Record, I never had anybody feel uncomfortable that I can think of. You know, they were just happy to be covered. So they could care less if it was white, black, you know, brown, green, blue. And one thing I found is people like to be covered, especially if it's something that's positive. They could care less who's covered. They just want, you know, they just want to be highlighted. So from that standpoint, that was never an issue. I think the biggest standpoint is is just getting more more blacks in the profession. Now you're starting to see more black women in the profession. And, I mean, I'll tell you what, man, there are some, there are some, good, there are some good women that are out there now that, um, that are journalists. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that, and I hope that continues as well. So, But, yes, overall, I'm going to say the only time, and I'm kind of jumping here, the only time I can say I ever felt a little uncomfortable at times was when I worked at the Smithfield Herald. That's the only time I, out there that I kind of felt uncomfortable. You know, I've actually gone into some places there, and being the only black, I got some funny looks. You know, they didn't say nothing to me, but I could just feel it in the air. But gotcha. other than that, gotcha. I was pretty much cool. You know, everybody's been pretty accepting. Smithfield was cool as well, but, they, you know, I, you know, Smithfield, like, you know, I know I'm kind of jeffery, but I went from the news and record. To the News and Observer, to the Smithfield Herald, when I was at the News and Observer, you know, pretty much everybody embraced with open arms. You know, it's, again, you know, similar scenario to the News and Record, but there were a lot more blacks that I was working with at the time in the News and Observer. And and one, and I'm going to give you another name, when I was at the News and Observer, I worked there for about four years as well. One person that I worked alongside at News Observer was Jamelle Hill. She started that was her, her. Oh wow! You know she started out. Yeah. So I worked with Stephen A. Smith. I worked with Jamal Hill, and I worked with several other journalists who've gone on the major newspapers that a lot of people may not know of. But um, I got I got to work with some very talented people and very talented blacks in the profession. But I never really I'm not gonna say I really really encountered you know a lot of issues be- being black. I, I'll just say when I was at, at, at Smithfield Herald, for the most part, everything was cool there too, but I'll I, I, I tell you this. I remember one time I was covering um, cover a game at South Johnson High School. Tell me that to go to Four Oaks. don't know how familiar y'all are with Johnson County, but, you know, towns are spread out. So you're going down a lot of two-lane roads. You know, you're going to a little small town. And I remember going in the restaurant. You know, the, I think the game was at seven, so I said, you know what, it's about five o'clock. I'm gonna stop in and grab some meat. I remember going in the restaurant, and the lady was nice. The the, the the waitress was nice. I ate my food, but she told me, she said, you know, you might want to leave probably another, you know, forty five minutes or so, because you know we're gonna have a crowd coming in, and you know, and it might be best for you not, you know, you might, might not be. It might be best for you not be in here. And I didn't get upset or nothing. I was like, "Thank you for letting me know." And I ate my food and I got out of there and went on to cover that game. And that's the first time I ever had anybody tell me that in a restaurant before. This is like nineteen. This no. This is like in the early two thousands. So
1: wow, wow. This
2: this ain't like back nineteen. You know eighty five or seventy eight, this is like I went to Smithfield her between two thousand and two thousand five. And so um this, this you know what that long ago. So um and, and, so that's not, really the only not, time I can really say, you know, and there have been a few other instances but that, that kinda of stick out in my mind as well. That that really sticks out in my mind.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to pour gasoline on, you know, onto a fire but isn't Johnston County the same place that had the? <laughs> this is KKK yeah. country on Highway Seventy. Yeah, that yeah, they had it a is. Sign? It is. Okay, I, it I, is. Yeah, because I, I I remember one of the one of my good buddies, Bobby Crumpler, when I yes, first got okay. to state in eighty seven. Mm-hmm. He literally drove me over there, showed me that sign because me being from Cleveland, Ohio, didn't really know. Mm-hmm. That, and he's like, "Look, do not come over here." And he showed me that sign, and it was mm-hmm. chilling yeah right, and I remember right. I thought about that for a long time, so you talk about johnston county and I you know they yeah. made progress, but yeah yeah, was, yeah. you know, two, 2000, 2000, yeah so and let, yeah, was, let me move this a little yeah, let me move this a little yeah, I just right.
2: you know just to ask you a question, for the most part, I was accepted and and I, and I say that you know, because the main thing is the bottom line, as long as you do your work, you know, hey, people go got to respect you. And when you're covering, you know, or, or, or whoever you cover, like I said, man, they just, look, they happen to get recognition. So as long as you do a good story on them, man, they good. they good. Okay. So, so um, the, 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 the main thing is just getting folks interested, to me, into getting folks interested in journalism, getting folks interested into being sports information directors, um, I think the main thing is just getting people interested. Cause in this day and age, if, if you head in that direction, that's what you want to do. You you can you can be you can be a reporter. You can be a journalist. You can start your own podcast now. You know you can do sports information. Um, yeah. You know sports information. You know it, for a lot of people, is considered a grunt and grind job. You know, it's, it's it's a lot of work. You know, that's that's the reputation that it always had. That's the reputation I heard why I didn't want to get in. But lo and behold, um, when I left Smithfield, I fell right into it. You know, um, so, you know, sometimes things don't go as you planned, but it was meant to be. You know? When you look back on it. All right. You know, the All niggas, right. I think the newspaper industry prepared me for being sports information. That's how I look at it. Excellent. Excellent. That's exactly how I look and at there's
1: it. a and there's a bit of pride that comes along with your job as the S I D at St. Augustine's University. And you mentioned this earlier, you know, being the local boy, being from Raleigh, and mm-hmm. then taking care of a you know a local university in St. Augustine's talk yes. about, you know, some of the pride that you take and promoting St. Augustine's University.
2: Okay. Well, I'm, okay, so well, I, I'm going to tell you how things started and, and where it's at now, and, and that's going to kind of explain the pride because growing up, you know, I, I grew up a block or two from St. Augustine's. Like I, St. Augustine's always been a part of my life. I uh, never imagined I would work at St. Augustine's, but, you know, it was a part of our community. You know, I used to go to um the Capital City basketball school. Um, it was ran at the time by um legendary basketball coach Harvey Hartley and also a legendary coach himself on the high school level that coached the NC State and assistant is Ed McLean. He coached with Jim Vivano, but at the time he was the high school basketball coach at Broughton. So they ran the um the um the the, the basketball school I used to go there. You know, I always went there when I was younger. And and, um, and then I would ride my bicycle around St. Paul, You know, so, um, you know, it was always a lively place, you know, and, and I enjoyed riding. I was a little kid, you know, i just ride around, just look at the sights and just marvel at, you know, the fun everybody's having on, on the college campus. So, I mean, St. Arnold was, was always a part of my life because it was a part of the community. So um, I had the opportunity to get a job at St. Arnold. At, you know Ann Brown. Um, you know she. You know good friend. She went to. She she graduated um, high school the same year as my brother. She the one who told me about the position at Santa, at, at Sports and Actually, it, it, the job hadn't opened yet, but but she was already telling me like, if it opens, would you take it? And I, at the time, I was commuting thirty minutes. You know the the Smithfield. About thirty minutes there, thirty minutes back. I got tired of driving because before then I was commuting from Raleigh to Chapel Hill. So um, I got tired. Of, you know, I was get, I was getting tired of of, of commuting. So um, I had the opportunity. You know, to, I told him if it ever opened up, you know, I, I would look into it. I'd be interested because I'm I'm tired of commuting. I'm tired of. Uh, I want to, you know, I, I live right. I still pretty much live in the same area. Uh, so. That will you know, I, I would get be closer to my job, which would be which would be great. So uh, when the job finally opened up and I accepted it, and I was glad. But what I didn't realize was even though I've worked with sports information directors, I ain't know nothing about sports information. I really didn't know the nuts and bolts of the job. All I know was um, I just worked. With the sports information director to, to um, help, you know, craft my story, they would they would be the person that, that you know that would um, that would they would the contact person for the, for whoever I was interviewing. So when I um, took the job, man, I ain't gonna lie, the first couple of years I struggled. Like I was like, man, this ain't for me, because I'll never forget the maybe the second week I got the position. Um, we we were playing lane in football. And I remember the lame athletic director, who was also the sports information director. He called me. He said, "Well, another year of football. Um, I guess we, we got to um, you know exchange rosters through the flat through our flash drives." And the first question I asked was, "What's a flash drive?" I didn't know what a flash drive was. Oh wow! I remember. Um, yeah, I remember when I applied for the job. You know, uh, my mentor. You know, he turned out to be a very great mentor, uh, Coach Leon Carrington. He asked me before I was supposed. To, I was actually supposed to go to an interview, and he was supposed to be there. He wasn't even there. He caught me before I got to the interview. He he wanted to know one thing. He said he asked me. He said, "Do you know how to do stats?" And when he meant do, do I know how to do stats? He meant, do I know how to use the set the Stat Crew software? Um, that NCAA, you know, uses. I didn't know nothing about stat crew. I said, yeah, I know how to keep stats. I get my little pad and pencil, and I just write down the stats as the game go on. And he gave me that look like, man, like, I ain't know nothing about no stat crew. So, you know, so the first thing he did was call, <laughs> call someone to do stats for our games because that just told him right there, I didn't know how to do stats, you know, the way they're supposed to be turned into NCAA. So I, I came in Cluevers. I, I remember, um, I remember the, the legendary Mr. Crow at Fayette State University. Mr. Crow was a SID. I think he might have been in his 70s, 80s. That's how old he was. But he always wore these rings. He always had his championship ring. He was very distinguishable. You know, everybody respected Mr. Crow. You know, he was a really, you know, he was well respected among the SIDs in our conference. I know, you know when we have, when the CIAA has conference championships, they assign, you know, a certain number of SIDs to help run the championships and keep stats. So, okay. i never forget this. So, I'm, I was working, I was assigned to work the CIAA Bowling Championships. This was my first year in 05. Uh, Mr. Crow was also assigned, and another legendary SID, lecount Conway was at Shaw. So, They stuck me with bowling. So I didn't know anything about bowling stats. You know, so I was lost to begin with. You know, they was trying, you know, the coaches, you know, were trying to explain to me how, you know, about bowling. I didn't know nothing about bowling. And then, you know, it was time to do a press release. So Mr. Crow was with me. And Mr. Crow, you know, he wrote the press release, you know, pencil paper. And he put it through this machine. I can't think of the name of the machine at the time, but the machine was sending the articles to the press. So I'm looking at Mr. Crow, and I said, okay, that's how you do it then. So the next day, I wrote the release. I wrote a press release on pencil and paper. So I did the same thing Mr. Crow did. And then I sent the release out. Man, the next morning, I look on, 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 um, on the desktop. Man, I was getting crushed. All the other SIDs was like, man, you know, is that what we're doing now? we writing press releases and pencil and paper. And, oh. man, I ain't never felt so embarrassed in my life. Man, they, everybody was crushing me, man. I'll never forget that. I felt low, like, damn. I, and I'm thinking like, with well, that, Mr. Crow did it yesterday. But they had such reverence for Mr. Crow, nobody said nothing to him. But the new guy. It was like, you know, one thing I realized with SIDs, they are very passionate about their job. So the mm-hmm. fact that I wrote a press release in pencil and paper and didn't type it on the computer, man, I got ripped hard. I got ripped hard. And I never forget, man, I, and I feel like, damn, I this job ain't what I thought it was. But I I'll never forget um, there was a young lady, April Emery, she, she's, no, she used to be the SID of Little City State, and she's not there anymore, but she was a great SID. She emailed me, and she said, don't worry about it. We all had to start somewhere. You know, basically the folks who were picking on you, they forgot they had to start somewhere at, at, at one time. So don't you worry about it. And that made me feel a whole lot better. So I, the first couple of years, I had not only learned, the culture of being a sports information director. I had to learn the culture of working on a college campus, and I had never worked on a college campus before. Now, granted, it was you know it was, it was HBCU, but I had to get adjusted to that and the, and the inner workings and, of, of working at at, a, at, a, um, at a HBCU. So, um, so it took me a couple of years, but the one thing that carried me through was I could write. I could write stories. So while I was learning the other pieces, bits and pieces of of the job, the one thing I can hang my hat on, man, I could write a heck of a story. So, you know, by the time I wrote a story about you, you don't forget the fact that, you know, I don't know what a flash drive is or, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? All all the other stuff that I didn't know, um, people forgot about it. You know, they would forget about it because they were so, like, mesmerized by the stories. I was writing so eventually once I learned the job the nuts and bolts to, to being a sports inf- information director you know realized that um you know that it stats you know you had to use Stat crew for stats and, 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 and some of the other things about, about the job you know the one thing I, I did know was I knew how to write and because I am from this area I had media contacts and that's what got me through the hard part because I was able to get coverage. You know, at the time, the newspapers stopped covering um, a lot of events. So, what I would do, I would end up writing the stories on the events and it would get in the paper. And it would, or I would know somebody from the TV station and, and, and have someone do a feature on maybe one of our student athletes that are doing well. So, I was able to start generating that. And that is what turned the tide for me. And people start looking at me in a different light. So, you know, I, 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 um, 2005, I was, very, I, I came in clueless. By 2008, I was South Double Sports Information Director of the Year, three years. Mm-hmm. So, Come I on. picked up. I, I, I eventually caught on. It took a minute, but once I caught on, I was good. I was good. And, um, and, the, and, and, the job is, is you know. It's a challenging job. You know, I'm not going to lie, especially at a small school when, you know, your sports information office consists of, of, of one, of one person. And, and that's that's a, 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 a mostly small HBCUs. They usually consist of one person. Now, even at the big HBCUs, you know, it's usually one person, or they may have an assistant. But you're talking about covering, you know, more than 10 sports. That's still
1: a lot. Yeah.
2: But... You know, but but it, it, it's it's very challenging. You know, it's a lot of work. You know, there, there you know, it work. The work comes in peaks and valleys. There are days when, man, you know, you can't really take a break. You can't take a day off because, you know, you got a lot of stuff on your plate. I and mean, then there's, you know, like now, you know, this is sort of a downtime. So and, and so so usually summertime you can kind of, you know, take take you know the, the workload is not as heavy, but um, but. It's a tough job, and, 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 but, but it's a very rewarding job. And, and the, the thing that I get the most reward, what, what makes it rewarding for, for me is um, I, I love seeing our student athletes get coverage. And I love seeing our coaches get coverage. So um, a week ago, or a couple of weeks ago, we had a young man named Samuel Cujo. You know, he um, – I, 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 I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of myself at the same time because I nominated him for uh, Arthur Ashe for, – for um, it, it, it's a magazine called Diverse Magazine, and each year they, they, um, they have the Arthur Ashe Junior Sports Scholar of the Year Awards. And I nominated Sam Samuel. He was a very good golfer and a very great person. I nominated him for the, the Arthur Ashe Jr. Male Sports Scholar of the Year. So a month later, he didn't win Male Scholar Athlete of the Year, but he was the finalist. And, that, and for a school our size, they have a I mean, and, and when I say a finalist, this is all divisions, D1, D2, D3. It's all lumped together. The person who won it was a quarterback from the University of Miami down in Florida. But Sam was one of the the the, the ten founders he was one of the ten founders you know you talking about a small h b c u division two school he was one of the ten founders and was considered the the top ass scholar of the year in men's golf like he was the number one um the number one scholar for his sport men's golf man it's those kind of things that 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 make me proud. I, that, I, I love seeing stuff like that. So in return, I take that and I market that to our media people. So then, you know, we, you know, a few weeks later, Channel 17, you know, they do a story on me. You know, stuff like that makes me feel good. You know, I, I enjoy talking to the kids and learning their history and learn their background because a lot of times, you know, I, and I'm going to say this a lot of times, it, we're in an area, this is a very competitive area, you know, because you got the NC States, you got Carolina, you got Duke, you got the Carolina Hurricanes, I mean, you got high school sports. All those are parties for local media. You know, a lot of times, the St. Augustine's, the Shaw's, the, the Murdoch's, Peace. A lot of times we get overlooked, but I'm gonna tell you, man. It, I'm gonna tell you, Chris. That's a lot of great stories out of these schools, and it's it's definitely a ton of great stories out of St. Augustine's. And Sam is one of them. You know, I think of Zachary Barco. You know, he's a football student-athlete. You know, we were just talking one day and found out he teaches people how to swim. He's a lifeguard, but he specifically wants to teach blacks how to swim because he wants to destroy the negative stereotype that blacks scared me yeah. out. Nice. So that turned into a story. So, you know, so I'm like, wow, that, that blew my mind. So that got pitched for a story. Channel 11 did a story, did a story on them. NCAA did a story on them. So we, there's so many nuggets here. There's so many nuggets here at St. Augustine's that people don't know about, and I really enjoy you know, pre, you know, sharing those stories, getting those stories shared with the media, and then thinking that it's important enough to where, hey, yeah, okay, so you 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 highlight Darren Bulls baseball, but then the next story is about somebody from St. Augustine. That makes me proud, you know, because I'm like, man, our stories stand up, and not knocking any of the other other schools or or professional sports or any of all the other colleges, but. I'm proud. i love to see what our kids, you know, are mentioned on the same telecast as, say, of Durham Bulls, you know, UNC, you know, Carolina Hurricanes. They'd be on the same same um, um, show or the News Observer writes a story and, and posts it on the front page which also has, like, a Carolina Hurricanes game on it. You know, i I like for us to be displayed just like everybody else, you know, and, and it, that, that, makes, that, that makes me feel good when I see that. It really does. You know, I've been very fortunate working here, and you talk about the pride, you know, being a Raleigh guy and, and being an affiliate and saying, all right, that, that, that just, the fact that we've got a, a university that has produced 39 national NCAA championships. I'm fortunate, man. There aren't too many SRVs. Work at a school that wins national championships. You know, when I worked at a school that's won national championship. I've been at a school, work at a school that's won multiple national championships, multiple. So I've been blessed in, in that aspect, and I love sharing that because a lot of people don't know. You'd be surprised, you know, if you mention Saint Augustine, a lot of people don't. There's a lot of people know about the success we've had in track. And then there's a lot of people who don't know. I love sharing stories and just letting people know that, hey, you know what? St. Augustine's University has a very rich athletic history, very rich. I love sharing those stories to people who don't know. I talked to someone the other day about Coach Coleman. They, they had no idea they met Coach Coleman. They had no idea he was a legend. That He actually, the golf, the, President Clinton invited the golf team At St. Augustine's University, not at at Duke or not at Carolina, St. Augustine's Division II HBCU invited them to visit the White House for their accomplishments. That's amazing. A lot of people don't know that. I like like getting that information out about our teams. I love getting information out there about our student athletes because we got a lot to offer here. There's a lot to offer here at this university. You know, sometimes it, it gets overlooked, you know, because of the area. And sometimes if there's some negative information that goes out, then that's the stigma of the university. But I'm here to say that St. Augustine's, man, has a lot of great stories here, a lot of success here. You know, it's just a matter of getting that information out. And that's that's what I live for. That's why I do this job. That's why I'm here for 16 years because, you know, like I said, you know, I thought I was going to quit after the second year, but, you know, but but I prayed on it. I, I prayed on it. I'm going to tell you, when I first took the job, I prayed on it. And the first vision that came to me, and I don't know the Bible verbatim, but I, I forgot who it was out there, Father Moses. But they were supposed to go to the promised land, but the promised land wasn't the promised land when they got there. You know, it was going to be the promised land, but it was some giants on the land. And that's what the first thing came to my mind. So I'm thinking the first two years were the giants. But, but now it's the promised land. Now it's the promised land here for me because – I get, to, I get to do something that I probably couldn't have done at a, a, a newspaper. I get to, to, to dictate what stories to write. Nobody has to tell me. No editor you know, is going to say, hey, Anthony, I don't want you to write this story. I want you to work on this. I got that autonomy to where I can put out what I want to put out. And I, and I choose to put out, you know, positive information, about Saint Augustine's University because I want that's that's how I want um, that's how I want people to see the school. It's a beautiful campus. Nice. That's that's how I, I want people to know. Like, look, hey, in 1984, Saint Saint Augustine's reached the finals of the NCAA Division II tournament, and they had a player on that team who eventually played professionally named Kenneth Bannister for 10 years. You know, a lot of people may have heard of Kenneth Bannister, but they didn't know he played at Saint Augustine's or you know Bershon Jackson Batman you know mm-hmm. was a world champion and I want to say it was in 2005 he was a world champion in his in his event 400 hurdles and he was a a, a medalist in 2008 in the 400 hurdles Saint Augustine's University you know you know a lot of people you know, I, I I want people to know that man we, we from, a, from an athletic standpoint Man, St. Our history, it has a great history. And, and, and I just sometimes I feel that maybe that's what I was put on earth to do, you know, is, is to get these stories out, you know, so people can know about St. Augustine and say, hey, I want to go to school here because I know I'm going to succeed. Um, I'm going to succeed, you know, academically, and I'm going to succeed athletically. Um, one thing, I, I, you know, we started doing, and, um, and you know, and this is through, you know, some input from from our um, athletic director, um, Coach Bowser. You know, we when we didn't have sports, when sports was canceled because of COVID, one things that, um, you know, he he talked about with me, you know, was that hey man, let's let let's, let's let's stay relevant, let's stay relevant, you know, mm-hmm. um, let's stay relevant, let's stay, you know, let's stay on social media, let's figure out a way to stay relevant, you know all the way through the year, which is a tough task because now you're talking about writing something that ain't going on. We ain't got no sports. So uh, how do you do that? How how you, how, you, how you stay relevant, you know? So you got to put your thinking cap on. And one of the things that, you know, that came up was Memory Lane Mondays where each Monday on social media um, there's a graphic, you know, we put a graphic out about the success you know, a certain event or a certain game or a certain you know um, student athlete accomplished something that's that's you know that's new that's noteworthy. So, mm-hmm. but so I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you this. Not, I hate to jump, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. Wow, that I found out about Saint Augustine. You probably ain't never heard of this anywhere. Did you know that Saint Augustine's and Shaw they played? They were the preliminary. The, the, the basketball game was basically the preliminary act before the Eisler brothers at Jordan arena. No. Then Augustine and the Shaw played a basketball game. And then after the game, they cleared the arena and the Eisler brothers performed.
1: Wow. You ever heard know, the thing like that in your life? No. <laughs> that, that just doesn't happen. That, that just that's doesn't
2: what I'm saying. Man, like, ain't that wild, but that's, Really, it's all kind of nuggets in Saint Augustine. All kind of nuggets. you know. Um, I, there, there's, I mean, there, I mean, I could just go on and on and on, you know, about about you know some of the things that have happened here that are very, know that a lot of people may not know about. So, um, but other thing is, um, we started um, a segment called Falcon Facts where we write about a um, alum who was very successful, you know, athletically, but have gone on to do, you know, gone on to have a successful career. Not necessarily in athletics. They just have a assess- successful career in life.
1: Perfect. And,
2: you know, we started showcasing that as well. And um, and I'll tell you what, a lot of the, the older alums loved it. Um, and and for, the, for the younger alums, they had no idea that, you know, that, we had student athletes who were that good, but but they're also seeing, hey, not only were they good, you know, in in in, in their sport, but they've gone on and, and they're successful. Like they're, they're, they're doing well in life right now, and that's the thing, you know, we, we try to spread, you know, to let, let you know potential student athletes know, like, hey, this is a great great place to be. Not only will you excel but you can go on and, and, and have a great life as well. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's what, I, what, what, I, what I love the most about working at St. Augustine is promoting, you know, promoting the university through athletics in, 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 in any way necessary, any way necessary. Okay. You know, hopefully it leads to student-athletes or folks, you know, thinking about coming to St. Augustine's. But but that's that's my passion now, and that's my plan. That's my plan from okay. from the sports information standpoint.
1: That's a heck of a plan. That's a, a big task. So, man, yeah. keep it keep it yeah. keep it rolling. Because you guys, you know, you recently won an award for keeping. Right for being relevant in social media. So that mm-hmm. that's saying you guys are doing the right thing, so keep it moving. Let me ask it, you this. I'm gonna ask you two more things before we wrap this up. So okay. how can donations help St. Augustine's university and your department and what you see? Okay, okay. Um and, and okay this is how I see it is this. Um
2: number one, St. Augustine's is a small it's a, it's, a, it's a small HBCU that's primarily driven by student enrollment. So if the enrollment is high, everything's great. If the enrollment is low, then it, it, it's not as great. So to, I, I look at my story and what HBCU did for me and how it gave me a second chance, and I, and I was able to make something of that second chance. That's how I, I, the, the, the donations, the more donations, it gives us, give us more opportunity to bring in more student-athletes to give them that chance as well to go on and do, you know, go on excel in, your, in school and do great things. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, uh, you know, not blowing smoke, but I athletic director, Coach Bowser, he, he's, a, he, he's a very great visionary. And he has a plan. And I'm going to tell you this right now. He has a plan. It's going to happen. We're going to, you know, donation. He, he's coming up with very creative ways. Because you've got to figure, man, with COVID and, you know, jobs, man, people, you know, it's, it's hard. Man, it's hard. Like if you want to borrow some money from somebody, it's hard getting it these days. So you've got to be very creative, you know, in convincing people why you should give money to a university, and Coach Bowser, I mean, starting with his golf tournament. Let me tell you, 60 people playing in a tournament is considered a success, and hmm. there, there, there's the, right now, it's way more than that. It's way more than 60 people. We was, it was just going to be considered a success with 60 but man, it's it's way past it's way you know the number of players now is well past sixty, and
1: That's
2: I think the, the biggest yeah and and I, and I you know I, I'm gonna tell you I give Coach Bowes a lot of credit because he he has a vision, you know he's got a vision that I believe that you know as far as donations, man I think people will buy into it because uh, you know like I said before. A lot of people don't really know what St. Augustine has to offer, so the best thing to do is not only let them know what they have to offer, but also let them know that they're playing a huge role in it. In it, you know, in this in this vision progressing. Now, I think you know that is what's kind of we're starting to turn the corner, and people may not see it because it's going to be a slow turn. I mean, it's just like, it's like your son growing up. You know, one day he's 5, next day's 11. And you're like, man, what in the world? Or <laughs> I'll ride down P Street. I remember there was the Finches. And then I look, you know, and there's a bunch of buildings. And I'm like, "Dang, hey, where did that happen? And that's why it's going to be here. But, you know, but Coach Bowser's is planting the seed, you know, and we're executing. And I'm just saying that when you know, we have to keep finding creative ways, hitting different areas and letting them know about St. Augustine's University and let them know what St. Augustine has to offer, not just for the students but what we make it offer for you if you help us out. And I really feel like that as long as we continue to do that, man, we're we going to be fine. We're going to be fine, you know. So so um, I, I, I really believe that. Um, you know, I want to be a, you know, a part of, 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 of seeing, because St. August is not bad now, but, man, the potential, man, is awesome. And that's what we're selling is that potential. But that potential is going to be reality
1: quicker than, than you know it. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. All right. Let's wrap this up with uh, another shameless plug for you uh, and okay. your department. Just brag on yourself. And then plug your social media
2: okay okay uh like i said i i've um i've been you know i've been doing this you know i i've had two careers remember i went back and told you i was a late bloomer and uh, even in in my professional career i found my niche late but hey that's just how how i am that's just how my life is been i found my niche late i'm gonna tell you tell you i mean, will just to give you an example you know just The type of person I am, you know, my son is nine years old. I had my son when I was forty-seven years old. So that's just me. Like I, I, you know, I I blossom late. I always blossom late. You know, I don't know why. That's just me. But I've always been, you know, blossom late when it came to life. And um, so about. Five, let me see, it was two thousand, I want to say, yeah, two thousand seventeen. The highlight of all of of um, of all the, the highlights in my career, my biggest highlight, I was named the excellence, I was named by the U.S. Track and Field Cross Country Coaches Association. I received the Excellence in Communications Award for Division II track and field. Out of all the SIDs, in Division Two, nationally, I was named winner for 2017 that year. That right there, pretty much, is the epitome of my whole career. All to me, that's my whole career wrapped up in this one award. Um, I, I'm very proud. I was very proud to win this award. And, and for me, you know, I'm the type of person, even though, um, even though, you know, I feel good about what I do. You know, I'm like anybody else. There are days I have self-doubt, you know, about things I do. And this award just confirmed to me that, hey, you are good, you know, you are exceptional, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's funny in life how you got to keep, but even though you know you're good, sometimes things happen and you're just like, man, I'm really not that good. But that right there confirmed to me when I'm at my best, this is what can happen. So um, right. I don't, I don't, You know, and people tell you, one thing about being an SID is really behind the scenes. You're not really out in the forefront. So having said that, I don't have a personal Twitter page. I don't have a personal Instagram. What I will promote is that our athletic department, we have an Instagram page. We have an Instagram page is... um, what is that the Ampersstand SAU um, underscore athletics? Um our um Twitter page is Ampers SAU is SAU Capital and then Capital F Falcons, SAU Falcons. Um our um Facebook page is the Department of uh, is the St. Augustine's University Department of Athletics. And our um our our um website is SaintAugFalcons.com, S-A-I-N-T-A-U-G, Falcons.com. So I would say if you want to learn more about our athletic program, go on go on any of those platforms, and um and you you you'll see that Saint Augustine's our athletic program is second to none. Uh, like I said, you know with with with, with um the vision of of, of of your you know of Coach Bowser. I'm telling you, man. Mm-hmm. We already was second to none, but man, you about to, you about to see some. Man, you gonna come back, man. You are gonna be like, man, I ain't I ain't know it's gonna be like that. I'm be like, yeah, man. You are gonna refer back to this, refer back uh, to this podcast. And I'm saying, I'm, I'm telling you now, it's going it's okay. going it's about to go off the roof, yeah. And when you see it, I want you to come back and, and listen to the podcast, and you know you would have heard it first here. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Anthony Jeffries, so many great nuggets that you shared with us. And like I said before, this is a rare opportunity for me and my listeners to hear from an SID. So thank you again for coming on and sharing your story and your experience. And after 15 years, 16 going on this year, St. Augustine, they know they're in good hands with you. So I wish you the best of luck, and you're just another great example of how the Falcons are soaring high.
2: Well, I really appreciate, you know, um, the interview. It it went by fast, Um, and I, I really enjoyed talking to you today.
1: Okay. Well, thank you again for taking the time and coming on to Chris Williams Podcast Hour and being part of this special podcast series, which highlights the success at St. Augustine's University. Anthony Jeffries, once again, thank you. And, of course, I'll see you uh, uh, a week next from week. today. That, exactly, a week from today yes. at the golf hour. Yeah, so I'll you. be glad to see you thank in you. person. Yes, I look forward to that. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. Okay, man, Chris, you thank you, man. Thanks for having me.